Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Burning question of the day, I guess, today is uh, where do we begin from uh, Saturday's game between Hawaii and Vanderbilt? There are uh, so many different ways where we not only can go, uh, but will go over the course of uh, the next three hours. We are locked in on Hawaii football, not just in regards to that Vanderbilt game, but how does that temper the expectations moving forward? How does that make you feel uh, about Western Kentucky this weekend? A Western Kentucky team that defeated Austin P and FCS squad in its opening weekend game. Saw its uh, transfer quarterback throw for four touchdowns. So how do we put that all in perspective? We'll do that coming up a little bit later on uh, in this show. You can get in touch with us. You can text us. Our Zephyr Insurance text line is at 808-296-1420. You can call us at 808-296-1420. And uh, you can send us your tweets. We are at Sports Animals, and you can get to me at Josh on the radio. Um, I'll I'll start in chronological order. That's where I'll go. Um, from experience to end of game, and I'll start with experience. And, and granted, you know our experience is a little bit different because uh, we technically start over uh, you know with our pregame show site. But the first experience for us is uh, parking at the university and then walking down to our pregame site and then we, we walk back up. We get uh, we get miles or we get we get steps and uh, we also get a nice healthy sunburn at 430 in the afternoon, knowing that we got some steps in the hot sun about 10 minutes each way. And um, I can tell you that I was I was actually very happy with what um kind of the 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 game day experience the only bummer is that i didn't get a chance to go down on the field and uh, check out like food truck stuff and and check out um you know what the atmosphere looked like but it it seemed like with having 9000 people on site at uh, the Clarence T.C. Ching Athletics Complex, that there was a certain preparation that the University of Hawaii knew it needed to have. And, you know, I, I, I got that. You know, we parked before getting down to our, our pregame site. We parked like three hours beforehand. And, you know, before you even got there, you had um, – you had people before. If you're if you're going um, onto that Dole entrance, you make that right turn before you get on Dole, and before you even turned on Dole, and before you even got to the university, you had someone standing on the side, right outside, um, you know, that parking lot where the band room is, and um, they were already asking people, "Hey, do you have your ticket or your 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 parking ticket? Do you have that? Do you have?" And, and asking people constantly. If you didn't, then they could figure out a way to. Um, to, to get you go to, to go elsewhere and it was it was really well done and uh, and and kudos to the folks at the University of Hawaii for um, being prepared at, at it, it felt like it was it was uh, well prepared and then you know, we got back up everything seemed to be pretty simple so you know from there from that standpoint the pregame stuff was great um 
I could see at times what the television shots were when we were looking at our booth and seeing what television was focusing on, looking at the game day atmosphere with cameras showing people on the field. Well, not literally on the field, but field level with all the food trucks and, and, and the atmosphere. And it looked like it was good in the television shots. And I'll be honest, it looked good from standing upstairs uh, watching all of that. And at the beginning of the game, that first half where it looked like there were very few empty seats and you had about 9,000-some-odd people uh, there for the game, it was a great atmosphere. And you know, we talked about it being, you know, kind of going in, we, we asked the question about what we thought it would be like, um, how that atmosphere would feel being in it. And, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed it with one exception. The way that game went in the second half, you could feel how much change that venue is. Like, you know, we now have a comparison, a comparable comparison of what it's like when you've got uh, a, a filled up Aloha Stadium and how it feels when the crowd is rocking and, and all of that. And, and it, there's definitely a different sound of how that sounds at Aloha Stadium than, than how it sounds when you're at the Clarence T. Seaching Athletics Complex when 9,000 people or so are full throat behind the football team, um, you know, rooting for a big third down stop or, or whatever it is they're rooting for. There's a, a, a clear difference when you hear it. But there's also, we also have another comparison. It's an unfortunate one. When you're at a game like Vanderbilt in Hawaii turned out to be in the second half and it's not close and the crowd is at that point dead. And, um, well, that was very well felt in that second half. It really did feel like you were at a venue and it was just quiet. There was a game going on, but you probably wouldn't have known it because it was just so quiet and the crowd was immediately taken out of it. Except for, and credit to them, uh, the Vanderbilt folks. Because they had a section by the end zone uh, right in front of Les Murakami Stadium. And they were loud and uh, they were well represented. We even saw some of them at... Uh, at the event we were at prior to the game, they came in on like a couple of buses and uh, filled up that venue, and and they were um, they were very much involved, and they had reasons to. But man, it is a different vibe. It's it's one thing to be in a vibe where okay, it's it's dead, but it's in a bigger venue, and 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 noise swirls, and you still have this activity of buzz. It was not like that on Saturday. Midway through the third quarter, going into the fourth quarter, that atmosphere was, um, yeah, it was quiet. And not the quiet that I'm even used to being at Aloha Stadium where it looks like Aloha Stadium is empty. Or even like an, a, an empty Aloha Stadium at a high school game. That's how different that was. And uh, and it's unfortunate because you know again you you, you give credit where uh, where credit is due. You give credit to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt did that. 
They created that energy. They created that vibe that took Hawaii and that home field advantage completely out in that second half. Our number is 808-296-1420. That's where Paul is right now. Paul, hi. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well. How about yourself? Good, Paul. Thanks for listening in. What's up? No, so I was there, too, and I just kind of want to reemphasize what you said. I feel, though, like um, the university and the program needs to figure out how to use that stadium to our advantage. Um, so I don't, like, you know, there's a vi- I was on the visitor side, but there really is, it, it's all Hawaii fans. The um, Vandy fans, for the most part, the student section in the end zone was louder than the entire rest of the stadium, in my opinion. Um, and I don't know, there's things maybe that we can do, like, I mean, foot stomping, there's a lot of things, but that, that like, you're right. The acoustics, the size, the elements of that stadium don't lend, themse- lend itself necessarily to really being able to give us an advantage. But I think if the, the cheerleaders and the program look at some options, um, they, there's things they can do to help. And then I thought the concert before was fantastic. And if they could do that on a more regular basis, even if they don't bring in such a, a, a first name band, I think it will help keep the stu- you know, keep people showing up, even at the games that might not be as attractive. Um, so I thought that was really, really nice and very special. Um, let's see a couple other, um, do you have these well, written down? Pretty much it. No, nah, I mean, I oh. didn't want to forget, but that's pretty much it. You know, <laughs> Hey, I'm all, I'm almost 60, man. Just give me a break. <laughs> do you, I, no, I wouldn't have been able to tell. I, I thought you had everything prepared when you said, oh, let's see. I thought you were flipping no, pages there. No, I just wanted to look at my note. But no, that's it, man. I, it was it was enjoyable. Parking was great. I you know getting there early, for I was able to park like on street parking for no charge. Oh, and you know the, for the people that got there for the concert earlier, that parking was easy. But you're right; they had you know you had to buy a pass to be in the really easy spot. But you know, given the number of, of att- fans and everything, I think it works okay. I just don't know like if they're putting in. They said they're going to put in 15,000 more seats. Is that the plan? Or they're going to bring They want to, well, to not 15,000. They want to get it eventually to 17,000. So that would be about Okay, eight that more. makes sense. Yeah, I would say, you know, they may be able to fill it sometimes. So, yeah, that's it, man. Otherwise, it was a great experience. The food was good. Everybody was really nice. It was a great experience. That's one the one bummer I have, and, and, and thank you for calling in, Paul. I appreciate you listening, is that I did not get to go down uh, field level because I wanted to check out the food. Um, I wanted to have that opportunity. But then again, you know, um, we're kind of like in work mode. And I actually, the real reason I didn't want to go down to field level I honestly had already walked back and forth like 10 minutes each way to get down from our pregame position to go back up to the booth, uh, to the field, and then and then getting up. And at, at that point, I'll be honest, I was lazy. Uh, I didn't want to have to go back down, whether it was via elevator or via stairs, to go down field level and uh, wait in line for food. It's like, you know, I'll skip it this time. Maybe I won't do it next time because I'm already getting eyes from the other room saying, you lazy bleep. 
Yeah, I, I'm getting those eyes. It sounded bad. I made myself look bad. I, I'm totally fine with that. Um, but there was some stuff that I thought of, especially because I said the other day, Polke. Polke at a football game sounds really, really good. I saw that they had off-the-hook Polke there. I wanted to, but then I said, nah. And, oh, the other part, though, it's not just the laziness. I didn't want to miss the. I didn't want to miss a play, especially in the first half, uh, when it was kind of close. I knew if I were to leave, I'd miss about three plays at least. Kind of didn't want to do that. Uh, Tanner says the television monitor showed some of the food uh, because you were here. Uh, what looked good on TV, Tanner? It was. I think it was the poke nachos. I think that that's mm. what they were showing off. Mm-hmm. It was something in the uh, corner by Les Murakami, but. Yeah, all that food and stuff sounded good and looked good from inside this office. I, I tell you what. <laughs> from inside this office, from our Paxis Studios in downtown Honolulu, the food looked great. By the way, whoever came up with the novel idea of polke nachos, whenever that started, uh, you deserve to live a long, fruitful, and uh, incredibly wealthy life. Because uh, that's one of the best things you can mash together. Spicy poke on nachos is, that's better than winner, winner, chicken dinner. Um, That could be my last meal on earth and I'd be just fine. You know what? Okay, that that does it. Saturday, uh, I will not be lazy and I will head down to the field. uh, I will go make, I'll, I'll wait in line for about 10 minutes and I'll go on my search for poke nachos. Uh, now that we've had this conversation. Uh, you can uh, continue to get in touch with us via our Zephyr Insurance text line at 808-296-1420. Your thoughts on uh, on the atmosphere from, uh, from, from what that game was like for you, not just on the field, but also around it. I mean, we've, I've seen some of your texts. I've seen some of the stuff that's come in. Uh, you can get those into us as well at 808-296-1420. Uh, we will talk about the game. We are not avoiding the game um, like I said at the beginning, I kind of wanted to go in that chronological order uh, from getting there to – I'm not going to talk about leaving because no one cares. That was easy. Um, but from getting through that game and, and honestly the chronological order of a game that went from um, really in, da- uh, in range to absolutely out of it in mere plays – that coming up in just a little while. We'll take a look at surf here. I'm Josh Pacheco. You're listening to the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Sports Center update coming up in uh, just about nine minutes. This is the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco in for the guys. This is ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Let's get through a couple of texts. Texter from the 256 says, uh, watch the game on television. The field looks great. Crowd looks psyched and big. One minor complaint is that the camera angles at Aloha Stadium were much better than the current broadcast. 
Uh, looks like the OC-16 high school broadcast due to the lower camera angles. Of course, the game was disappointing, but I am all in for Yellen as the starter. Oh, we'll get there. Uh, we'll get to that quarterback conversation. And, um, you know, that's the thing. The uh, the broadcast angles are lower because the places to put the cameras are lower. Um, it's not like there is a high-rise area uh, like Aloha Stadium has where you're basically up all the way at the very top. It doesn't, uh, doesn't really exist, so you kind of just have to do with what you have. Um, but there are some things. I mean, we had the television in the booth, and looked good there um the booth made it seem like a like an event although at times like i at, at times i didn't feel like i was watching an event it looked a little bit more like i was watching like a carnival right i mean you see people on a field you see a whole bunch of tents you've got food it it it, it looks like again um just something that is really cool. Put the football aside. If you were not watching for football and you were just flipping channels and you just happened to see tents and food and all that stuff, you'd probably be thinking, huh, where, what, uh, what carnival is this from? You know, because that's probably exactly what I would be thinking. What carnival is this from? And it turns out, again, kind of what they were trying to do with um, you know, the spring game atmosphere and all that was let's create something fun. And I thought from that perspective and the way you know television um, helped to create it to the masses, I thought was really, really good. Um, so, so good on them for, uh, for some of those shots that really helped to uh, you know, accentuate the atmosphere. Texter from the 282, like I said, we'll get to quarterbacks in a moment. Josh, I don't mind UH losing, but when I have to change channels and watch another Mountain West team play, it hurts. I think it was Nevada who was playing at the same time against New Mexico State on ESPN2 in what was kind of a a low-key stunner for me was that Nevada could not really put them away. Like, up until a point where I think Nevada got a field goal with about um, uh, what was I was uh, uh, what was I saying? Um, about a field goal with under two minutes left. That's what it was. Up until that point, it was it was close. It was very, very close. And um, that's a a little unnerving. That makes that Nevada game even more interesting for me when Hawaii and Nevada will get together uh, a little bit later on. And oh, by the way, let's not forget about Utah State and the fact that Utah State struggled initially in, uh, uh, in their game against UConn and then ultimately played like the $1,000 bets that were put on them um, buy some randos and, uh, and would beat UConn. But, um, yeah, it, uh, 
it's not it's not easy to watch a game that ends the way it did. And I, I don't blame some of the national television folks if they felt like they had to change the channel because, you know, I'm not even going to mention the final score at this point. But, you know, it was not good toward the end. Uh, the quarterback conversation. Yeah, we'll have it. Um, because you're going to have to at some point. We'll have it. Uh, but we do want to tell you about Big Mac Mondays at McDonald's. It is back for another year. And uh, they had a, a an event actually earlier today uh, over at McDonald's, Keomoku, where uh, Timmy Chang was there and um, uh, the Rainbow Dancers were there. So what is Big Mac Mondays now through the end of the year when you uh, go to McDonald's in Hawaii and uh, you get a Big Mac, uh, you can get, uh, a when you get a Big Mac combo meal, you get a free Big Mac. It's during the football season, Mondays only, in restaurant and drive-through only. And the McDonald's of Hawaii is donating $500 to Nakoa Football Club every time UH scores a touchdown all year long. Sports Center next. This is ESPN Honolulu. Dyer Global Scoreboard coming up in just a little while. We'll take you through uh, Major League Monday. San Francisco Giants are about to get in action in about 12 minutes. Uh, so we've got all that to follow and then some here on the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Josh Pacheco eating for the guys today. Um, we can talk a lot about the aura, atmosphere, vision, we can can do all of that, and we will uh, at some point. But um, we can't avoid the game, and and we won't avoid the game because uh, not Monday, today is Monday, but Saturday truly kind of gave this harsh reality check of Hawaii football. The reality check is the reminder that this is a program that almost literally is beginning anew. And um, as much optimism as there is, and there's plenty of it, there is a lot of optimism to go around and I'm not going to let one game dampen optimism because my optimism is a, is a lot more bigger picture than it is game by game. There are going to be times like Saturday that really do come into the picture and just kind of, eh, you know, bring you down to size, if you will. And I thought that that was what Saturday was for the most part. Now, outside of the all credit to Vanderbilt that, you know, we do, um, we do have to put there because Vanderbilt out of the SEC and with a quarterback who is a playmaker, as we talked about previously, um, Vanderbilt showed how prepared it was. 
the thing that I'm still wrapping my head around from Saturday was how quickly it snowballed. That, more than anything else, is what is, I I think, still on my mind. Is that it was, you know, that first half, and I've, you know, everybody's talked about offense, and, and we will for good reason because we should, but... You know, I'm I'm watching the defense in the first half. And I'm watching how the defense was playing very physical. Um, you know, they they played like they had a chip on its shoulder or um, you know, were were kind of feeding on the crowd. It it looked like a defense that I think was uh, seemed very much prepared. And that was one of the first things from the entire half that I took away in that first 30 minutes. I'm watching a defense that was playing hungry. This was prior to all of the missed tackles, of course. But I was watching a defense that in the first few series that they were on the field, that defense was flying around. Of course, you had an offensive touchdown that bolstered you early. uh, But you had this energy that was it was very much felt and it felt like in watching Hawaii's defense, it was trying to show that it, you know, this was their game. Um, they were not going to be pushed around by an SEC team in their house. And it was apparent early. I mean, even to the point where I, I remember there was a there was a penalty, and it was kind of a needless one at the end of a tackle. There was a, an unsportsmanlike conduct, I believe it was. And I was like, okay, yeah, you can't do that. And, and I think Hawaii was trailing at that point. I think it was in the second quarter. It was after a run play uh, where really nothing happened. And there was like a uh, like a chest bump or something or a flop, whatever you however you, you describe it. But I was like, OK, you, you, you can't do that. You can't give Vanderbilt an inch. But and as I thought about it later, it's like, you know, I, I still see what the intent is here. You're trying to cement whose house it is that. An SEC school is not going to bully you around. And then if you noticed that once the tackles started to break, once the running room was made, the playmaking was there, when all of those things happened, you noticed that confidence, that, you know, that, that almost you know, bravado type from that defense was gone. And along with it was the crowd and the energy and everything in that place. It was gone. And it was gone fast. It's not just that, though, that I think is is concerning. Because, all right, if you lose to a power conference team, fine. Uh, most everybody expects you to lose to a power conference team. Vegas expected you to lose to a power conference team. Fine. And, and I see you on the phones. We'll get to you in a second at 808-296-1420. It's not necessarily that, but it's when the game gets away from you and you don't do anything to – I shouldn't say not do anything, but you sno- you get snowballed by the snowball running away you had that special teams miscue on a kickoff where you had two guys not sure who was going to field it. Um, you, know, you had the, the the continued issues defensively with missed tackles. And then the offense just 
it, it had errors offensively. It, it, it all went from bad to worse to a degree in a self-inflicted way. And that's the painful part. It's not the score. The score is not the painful part for me on Saturday. Um, it's how it got worse and how much Hawaii did on its own that exacerbated that. That was the issue that I had. John, thank you for calling in at 808-296-1420. How are you? Hey, good afternoon. Um, you know, I think, you know, taking away from the game, I think it's, I think it's one of those weekends where you got to wait another week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes you don't look as bad as you do in a blowout as you really are, and you're not as good as sometimes as you are looking in a blowout on the other end. You know, I, I, I don't think Vanderbilt is as good as they think they, they look. So um, I think one more week, but then the full is supposed to be a little bit better than last, you know, than Vanderbilt. So um, I think, I actually think we keep, the way we came out the first couple of series, we come out, come out that way again this week, you know, as far as um, the confidence and energy, I think we'll be okay. Not, not saying we'll, we'll get the win. I think we'll play a better game. You know, the mistakes and, like you said, the snowball. The snowball effect can be a horrible thing in sports. Yeah. Remember BYU, where we, when we blew away BYU, 70-something, whatever? BYU wasn't that bad. It's it, it just the snowball started rolling and everything fell. So I'm really interested to see this week, and hopefully um, Timmy can get the boys ready, ready to roll. And um, uh, it's going to be a long season. You know, last week, last week, I went off the phone and somebody said I'm always pessimistic. No, I, I you know, I'm pretty realistic. I defended so you on that, you. by the way. I defended you on that. Yeah, I, I heard you. You know, I've been calling you, your, your channel from midday for years, and you would know. But, you know, Phil Steele has the best prediction thing, you know, as far as all of the magazines. And one of his main things is how many players you're bringing back, how many starters you're bringing back. And right there already hurts Hawaii. Big time, and then you're switching. You're switching. Um, what do you call? You're switching um, coaches, right. and styles, and you know that adds up to a, a long season. Any way you cut it, you know. So I, hopefully the fans will just be patient because you could hear an uproar here and there um, and, you know, online. You can see the haters coming out, and you know it is what it is. It's one of those things where you know a lot of players yelling at Matlin actually, and you know that's that's when we said Matlin didn't do Timmy any favors, but we're gonna have to do Timmy a favor and give him some time and space. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you for dialing in, John. Yeah, um, anybody not willing to give time and 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 space is just unreasonable. It's one thing when you're talking about a power conference program that you can have new coaches, but the caliber of those coaches and the caliber of recruits that you bring in and the caliber of budgets you work with, uh, the type of program you run, you know, they, uh, that that's a game changer there. It's not like that here. It's not like that in most group of fives. It does take time. And, and honestly, group of five or power five, what program loses 50 some odd uh, people, players, and comes back and you know picks up like nothing ever happened. I don't know of one that has. And so, you know, for me, I don't necessarily look at it from the lens of 
you know, where's this program going? Because I, 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 as I said at the outset, my vision is a little more long-term. You know, we can talk game to game because we should, and that's what some of you want to talk about, and we will. We can't ignore some of the game to game and some of the what could be growing pains, what could be, you know, victories you, you see game to game. You can't ignore some of that. Um, but I also am reminded in some of these instances as to why um, I think you could also put things in a perspective of looking bigger and and looking out ahead to 2023 or 2024, which I think is uh, is okay. And you can do knowing what this team and this program went through in a period from December to now and how its identity has uh, entirely, entirely changed. I see some of you guys in the text line. We'll get to you coming up in just a little bit. First, our M. Dyer Global scoreboard, which is brought to you by M. Dyer Global, moving Hawaii into the future. It is all about Major League Baseball. They are in extra innings in Miami. The Dodgers have a 3-2 lead over the Marlins, top of the 10th inning. In Toronto, the Cubs have a 4-3 lead on the Blue Jays, top eight. Boston leads Minnesota 2-1, bottom of the fifth inning. Uh, top of the fifth, Milwaukee 3, Pittsburgh nothing. No score between the Yankees and the Angels as they're in the top of the first inning. Also just underway, Phillies and Diamondbacks top one. Padres and Giants just about to get underway. By the way, uh, Cardinals, uh, Cardinals Reds 8-2 St. Louis bottom five. But of note in that game, Albert Pujols with a home run. Pujols uh, has passed Barry Bonds for the most all-time amount of pitchers he has hit a home run off of. That number is 450 as uh, Pujols has uh, uh, hit his 694th career home run today. By the way, uh, that number two away from Alex Rodriguez for fourth all-time. But yeah, 450 different pitchers A-Rod has hit a homer off of. That's your M. Dyer Global scoreboard brought to you by M. Dyer Global. Always on the move. This is the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Sports Center update is coming up in uh, just about 12 minutes as you're listening to the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco. This is ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Let's go through a few more of uh, the texts that have come in via our Zephyr Insurance text line at 808-296-1420. Good to hear from all of you. Texter from the 292. We will be fortunate to win three games this season. I turned the channel as soon as the score became, and I'm going to correct him, 14 to 10. See, the texter, no, the texter said 10-14. Um, Tanner, this is on you too. Uh, in sports, you always report the highest score first, then the lowest score first. Oh, we got scoldings on that. It was clear to me that Vandy was more physical and faster. And then the texter says... As I changed the channel, I thought we were going to lose by 40. Okay, so you left the game in a one-score game and thought the team was going to lose by 40 because at that point in a one-score game, you felt it was clear to you that the game was over. 
Is that what I'm reading? Is that is that my uh, my recital of that text? Sounds like it. Because, I mean, we were sitting there at half. We did the halftime show from the booth. And, and I, I didn't have that feeling that, you know, the game was done. It, you knew that there was stuff that needed to be cleaned up. But I didn't have a feeling at that point that, you know, down as Hawaii was, that was going to be it. Um, that that thought had not crossed my mind until a couple of scores into the third quarter, and you thought, okay, this is uh, this going to be really tough. Uh, texter in here from the 533. Josh, this is Mark. Can you say 0-13? When will you people recognize UH is not good? And then Mark says, how many points will Michigan score? 80? Okay. Let's, let's, should, do we need to rewind the tape? I want to hear um, anything that has been said regarding saying Hawaii is good. I don't recall that I've heard anybody say Hawaii is good. Um, we've talked about the potential of where this team could be. That's why I gave you the tier system last week of where, yeah, Tanner's thinking about it. You're going through the mental tape because you've worked every show now for the last couple of weeks. Um, can you recall any host, Tanner, can you recall any host in the last few weeks that has said Hawaii is a good team? And if it's me and I said it, you can totally say it. But I don't think you might have. <laughs> I mean, look, I think we've potentially talked about potential. The potential to be. But I don't know that any of our hosts have said Hawaii is a good team. And I don't know that you could in a 51 player turnaround. I don't think it would be possible. I think the idea has been, um, I, I I think the idea has been that Hawaii has a chance. I think to to get better. That this is a look ahead. Maybe with the schedule it has, maybe it competes for a bowl game. But it's not to say that the schedule is super tough. But that you expect better things down the road. It is going to be a lot of work. But I don't recall anybody saying, like, definitively, Hawaii's a good team. Because I don't know how anybody could have said that not seeing him play in a game with a team with 50-plus new players. Texter from the 351. Didn't you say the spread was too high last week? I did, and I was wrong. Good thing I don't put money on anything. And that's why I also tell people, don't put money on week zero. You nimwits. Don't do it. Because what do you know? Yes, I did say I thought the spread was too high last week. And you know what? I thought I also said last week, because I don't mind calling myself out when I was wrong, I also said last week that I thought it would be somewhat of a defensive lower-scoring game, somewhere in the 20s. Was I wrong there, too? Hand-raised, yes. Um, and, and I will credit Vanderbilt with how... They exploded in the second half. 
uh, for how that all happened. And you know what? Frankly, um, Hawaii shooting itself in the foot several times and I think just kind of falling apart and losing confidence in itself uh, as that game went along, leading to a lot of just really uh, unfortunate mistakes. Um, you know, I, I think factored in as well. But yeah, I, I maybe didn't give Vanderbilt as much credit as Vanderbilt deserved. Not necessarily saying I said Hawaii was good. I, I think a lot of it was the Vandy effect that we didn't give Vandy maybe the credit that Vandy should have gotten with who they were playing. And that's also one of the reasons why I said last week, remember one of my questions on Friday, for all those people saying Hawaii can beat Vanderbilt. And it's funny, all those people that were saying, oh, I think Hawaii can beat Vanderbilt. Where are they now? I don't hear, I'm not talking about you because because you own your words, Tanner. But I, I'm looking at everybody else that called into radio shows and went on the Twitter and went on the message boards. I'm looking for all those people that said, oh, Hawaii can beat Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's not good. I want to find those people. Where are they? Where are they accountable for those predictions? I'm holding myself accountable for thinking 10 and a half was or nine and a half was too high and that I thought it'd be a lower scoring game. I'm holding myself accountable for that. But where are all those people saying that Hawaii was going to beat Vanderbilt because Vanderbilt's not good? Did they did they leave the state or something? Did they take one of those $39 fares and go to a neighbor island and go in hiding for a little while? What happened? Our, our number is 808-296-1420. <laughs> you can call us there. You can text us there on our Zephyr Insurance text line. Uh, you want to get – can we get one here? Yes? No? John? Okay, John, I got about 40 seconds, so go ahead. Well, I called in last week and said I thought Hawaii could beat Vanderbilt. All right, we uh, got one. <laughs> and, yeah, and the, I think it was mostly because uh, I, I think I was telling you I had a, a sneaking suspicion that uh, Hawaii was going to find a way to win. And, um, yeah, the conclusion was that I didn't respect uh, Vanderbilt that much. But, um, uh, you know, I just sure hope that people, regardless of what happened on uh, – on Saturday that people are going to be patient and realize that this is going to take a while to build this thing. Cause, uh, I still feel like, uh, Timmy Chang's doing, uh, a lot of good things. And, uh, like I said, though, is I don't, it ain't going to be like when, uh, June Jones came and, uh, it's going to take a while, but they're headed uh, in the right direction. And you have to remember too, and, and John, thank you for calling, uh, more calls and texts coming up in a moment, but you have to remember too, even during that time, uh, it took a while then as well. And, uh, and we have some of the numbers. We'll, we'll get to that coming up in just a moment. Sports Center coming up in just a little while. I'm Josh Pacheco. In for the guys, you're listening to Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Traffic coming up later as well. We're pretty much all UH football all the time. As we take our Monday reaction from uh, what we saw at the Clarence T.C. Ching Athletics Complex, it was tough. Uh, I don't think anybody could deny how tough that was on Saturday. The bounce back for Western Michigan. It's head on uh, Western Michigan. Uh, Western Kentucky. That wouldn't be fun either. Uh, its head coach will join Chris Hart and Gary Dickman tomorrow morning. And also tomorrow morning. How could I forget this? 
Uh, tickets. We'll have tickets for the Hawaii and Western Kentucky game tomorrow morning, tomorrow midday, tomorrow afternoon, all to give away right here on ESPN Honolulu uh, tomorrow through Friday. So uh, make sure you tune in for that. Our Zephyr Insurance text line has been busy today at 808-296-1420. You can call us at 808-296-1420. And uh, you can send us your tweets. We are uh, at Sports Animals. You can get to me at uh, Josh on the radio. Said earlier, looking for all those people who went really quiet after saying they thought Hawaii was going to beat Vanderbilt because there were quite a few of you, which which led us to ask the question. You may recall, we asked the question last Friday. Um, if you're picking Hawaii to beat Vanderbilt, why are you picking Hawaii to beat Vanderbilt? Is it because you think Hawaii can beat Vanderbilt or is it because you just don't buy into Vanderbilt? Like, wh- which is it? Um, and I think we, we just heard from, from one of the callers earlier who said, yeah, you know what? I didn't really respect Vanderbilt and I respect the fact that someone said it because you know what? I could say the same thing when I thought it was going to be kind of a lower scoring game. And I, I didn't think nine and a half was big. I, I thought a lot of it frankly was uh, Vanderbilt. I didn't give Vanderbilt the credit that Vanderbilt deserved. And uh, along those lines, too, I thought Hawaii's defense was going to be better. That was um, that was one of the points that I had. I, I had felt like leading up to that point, Hawaii's defense was a little more prepared and looked to be a little more ready. And uh, I, I thought that would make a difference. And you know what? I, I was I was wrong. I was uh, disappointed by how the defense did did not look all that strong uh, against Vanderbilt. But again, you know, I, I, I find myself having to correct myself and saying, you know what? Credit again goes to Vandy uh, for the adjustments that it made in the second half to run away. Drew, thank you for calling in this afternoon. How's your Monday going? Um, how you doing, Josh? I'm just calling in reference to um, the Vanderbilt game. Mm-hmm. What a lot of people don't understand, um, Hawaii got a new coach, new staff. Vanderbilt, I'm an SEC guy, football. Vanderbilt is a bottom dweller in the SEC. They've been beat up by a quality team in the best conference in the, in the West. So they have to understand that Vanderbilt – was always had been playing against good competition, great competition. Alabama, Ole Miss, all those teams, Georgia. So you got the section. I wish Drew's connection were better. Uh, Drew, thank you for calling. I think we got the gist of it, but yeah, I wish I wish his connection were just a little bit uh, a little bit crisper. It felt like, honestly, that felt like a missed tackle in uh, in Drew's call. Did that that was a missed tackle. <laughs> that, was, that was that was the punchline that only punched itself in the face. Was was what that was. I I had nowhere else to go with it. <laughs> Alex, how are you this afternoon? What's up, what's up, man? How you guys doing over good, there? Good yourself. Great, great. Oh, I'm doing good. Thank you for asking. Great conversation. Great conversation topic. Um, makes good, good uh, for good radio talk. You know. No matter what way of the spectrum or the conversation that you're going to be on, 
because of the you know the outcome uh, so wide burst yeah um one of one of the things i like to point out is like every year you know i call in and you know for the last i don't know 27 years whatever um we always have the the conversation of hey hawaii be patient we just got a new coach hey this is only his second year hey this and that you know and one thing one thing when june jones came in he came in and he he just created a firestorm and a different perce- perception of like, hey, when you come in, if you're well prepared, you got your connections, you know, you're an established coach, you know, success can come right away, you know. So, um, you know, we, we chose to go with Timmy. I, I love Timmy. I love the coaches that went to their, 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 their coaching clinics and whatnot. And good thing they're doing. Uh, but, you know, how do, how do we handle this? this uh, or are we going to... We're gonna be like, hey, uh, uh, be patient, be patient for two, three years, or like, you know, they're they're gonna turn things around because you know they they they're good coaches, but you know it's it's hard it's hard when you see 63 to 14 kind of competitive for the first seven minutes. You know, we had high hopes and whatnot like that, but then to get routed 63, you're like, hey, um, even though these are the bottom dwellers and we want new staff and they want new staff, you know, all in all, we don't, you know. In any special for football, you don't expect to get blown out by, you know, a score of 63. You know, you really want more spirited things. So that's the hard thing that they put on themselves is, like, we cannot be there. You know, we cannot be, like, not scoreless, not moving a ball. And, 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 and he's getting 20, you know, three, four touchdowns and, you know, 40 something. But when it's 63 to, you're like, oh, what is, what is this? You know what I mean? So hopefully, you know, they're going to get things turned around, but it makes for a great conversation both ways. Nobody knows before the season. We're all hypothetically. And most of the guys that call the station, they're real good football fans. You know what I mean? They're knowledgeable. They're not stupid people. So they give in the perspective, and then after you throw the dice, you're like, holy smokes, I shouldn't have bet. (laughs) 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 You know what I mean, right? Yeah. Conversations, you guys doing a great job. And give me them. I guess they're going to turn them around because someone, you know, the clinics that I went to and stuff. And they got a great grasp on football. It's just that, you know, um, I think the fans are looking for something a little bit more competitive, to be honest. You know what I mean? And, and you know what? That That is fair. Um, I, I don't blame fans for for wanting to feel that in a season opener and and all the hopes and all that laying there. I mean, I don't I don't blame fans for for wanting that. And and Alex, a uh, good call. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you calling in as you have for uh, twenty seven years or uh, AKA longer than Tanner's been born. Uh, for how long you've been uh, you've been calling into this radio station? Have we been around for twenty seven years? I guess so, haven't we? I didn't I didn't really realize that. Um. I knew the June Jones thing was going to come up. Um, and, I, and I think Alex was kind of referencing what people are saying. I've seen it. Um, <sighs> look, who's to say that you could put anybody coaching that team and they still have that? You know, um, we have to remember it. And, you put things on coaches very easily because they're the ones that are most responsible and the coaches don't want you to blame the players. They want you to blame the coaches because it is on them. And it's absolutely right. It is on the coaches. Um, I think you could put almost any coach in a situation with 51 new players and, you know, put them in the same shoes and that staff in the same shoes as those coaches 
and still find yourself with a hard time being competitive with Vanderbilt in the way that game happened. Because, honestly, the coaches couldn't really do anything about missed tackles. The coaches really couldn't do anything about, you know, a couple of fumbles that popped out. By the, by the way, credit some clean hitting by Vanderbilt on that. I don't think we've said that. Coaches couldn't do anything about miscue on special teams. You know, that's not, you know, with, with two guys looking at each other, who's going to get the ball right around the goal line? Coaches can't do anything about that. Um, and I'm not and I'm not saying blame players, blame players. What I'm saying is um, for all those people that just simply say, oh, um, you know, uh, June would have done better. Really? With 50-some-odd new players, these same players, same coaching staff, a lot of that stuff I just referenced wouldn't have happened. And it's it's it that's kind of just like the slap in the face. Like, um, you still have the same players on the field. You're telling me a coach is going to make a I don't know forty some odd point difference at least? No. Uh, and he felt the same thing. Remember the blowout loss to USC? Remember that? Was there anybody when they were listening to what was uh, what is now called the fans' voice way back when, calling and saying, "Oh, but you know that guy, he would have had the team playing so much better." Did that happen against USC? I bet you it didn't, but I also don't remember because you know. I wasn't on the radio at that point, I don't think. It was a long time ago. Uh, Aaron is calling in, hanging on very patiently. Aaron, what's up? Hey, Josh. Thanks for being my call. It's actually Alan. I think that was just some static. On, oh, on static and a, and, a, and a sticky keyboard, I think, <laughs> it is in the other room. <laughs> hey, hey, I just wanted to chime in. I just got in my car, turned on the radio, and, and I'm hoping I'm on the right track here. But I, I think just you know, with, with the results this weekend, I, I really think just – Overall, fans are. Um, I, I feel like this narrative is. It's like every few years we're in that we're like you guys too have to kind of say, well, let's give this a chance, give it two three years, and then two three years go by, then there's a transition to a new coach, and then we got to give that new coach a chance. And and I'm not blaming you know uh, uh, any of the coaches or the players, but I just feel like this is where we're at every few years, and it does get frustrating. You know, and when that's all, we are kind of like, I don't know, that's just every few years we've got to give a new coach a chance. And I really think some of it just comes down to it's just talent level and our ability. Sometimes you get in a situation where our talent is just not as superior as the teams that we're playing, and I think that's just the reality sometimes. Like to have these high expectations, you know, without without really taking that into consideration can and you're disappointed as a fan sometimes. I don't know if that makes sense. What I'm trying to say. I I think it kind of. I'm, I'm going to be a. Kid. I'm going to be a smarty pants here for a second and say, <laughs> no, uh, no, in 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 kind of a facetious way, but to say, oh, uh, are we are we going with the new coach and saying not to give a coach a chance? That that's the that that's yeah. my smarty pants comment. But I mean, but you're yeah. in that position though because of various different factors and also realizing where you are in the landscape. 
Um, I, yeah, I always yeah, feel definitely. like we have to we have to temper things a little bit. We're not Bama. We're not, um, you know, we're we're not a program that can easily find a coach that's worth four million dollars a year and a staff that is worth, you know, a couple of million dollars, uh, you know, combined, and um, you know, and play in a power conference. And you know, you also have to realize this is a very different. Give them a chance. Like if if it were. Um, because the coach left because he was successful and the cupboard was left full, okay, that might be a little bit different. But I feel like this is a different give them a chance than other give them a chances. This is give them a chance because, man, what did he have to do to try to get this team to be, you know, at least, you know, field a full team given the Graham era. You know, it's 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 such a different vibe than it, than it has been, I think, in the previous give them a chance chance talks, I guess. And, and I agree. I think I think I'm just trying to like kind of um, be like I don't know if devil's advocate is the right term, but just just for some people who are maybe calling in and just really frustrated, and that may be where it's coming from. And and you know you can never help the, um, bringing up um, JJ, right? I mean that always comes up. I mean I mean at one point I, I was trying not to say his name, but, but um, you know but Alex I mean, beat we you to BCS, it. We were a BCS team, right? Or I mean you know, and I think. Everyone's just kind of, you know, like, how do we get, I don't think, I don't know. It's not saying we need to get back there. I mean, but I, I think and everything else after that, I mean, we've had some good years with other coaches that followed, but, uh, you know, I think people are just, you know, just frustrated and they're venting. I, I, I get know. it. I, I, I understand yeah. it. And, and uh, good to hear from you, Alan. Thank you for calling in. Um, I, I, I get the natural reaction to want to do it. Um, but I, I, I think it's every situation is different, and that's why I said, you know, I you do say give coaches a chance because I do believe coaches do deserve the chance at a Group of Five program, um, you know, to have to work through defeat and potential failure before getting a culture and a recruiting style and and all of that in order. I do believe in most Group of Five coaching situations, you are you are owed. Uh, that opportunity because you're not, your opportunity is not the most ideal. Um, and, I, and I think most people, most if not all, I think are giving that here. It's just, you know, the definition of, of giving a chance is just, you know, well, it's, it's why. So I, you know, I, I, um, I see where you're coming from with it. When you hear it, it's like, oh, gosh. And honestly, I don't have to say – give give coach a chance i don't have to um but i feel like it's common sense that's all i mean i don't i don't feel like i don't feel like i'm grasping for straws by saying oh give coach timmy chang a chance let him have an opportunity to work through this no i'm just i'm speaking from common sense for having a complete and utter turnaround that's kind of normal I don't know. Am I am I just on an island on that? Uh, Drew wants to get in here one more time. All right, Drew, we gotta gotta make it a little quick hey, here. I'm up against the clock. I hear you. Oh, that, it's you, Drew. Okay. Okay. I just wanted to say, Josh, I, I understand what they should hold Hawaii coaches in the team to a high to a high standard. I think that's how they get better. And um, you just had to understand. Imagine Vanderbilt is being beat up every year by the best teams in the conference in the U.S. So 
ordinarily their their level of play is going to be pretty high. And like you said, they have a new coach, new players. But come on, the guy, you know, one game and everybody ready to tilt the ship and run the other way. Right. That's crazy. They're not true fans. That's all I got to say. I appreciate you. Thank you for calling back in. I'm, I'm glad we could get you back in there. And by the way, Vanderbilt staff's not a new staff. They have a few new staff members, but Clark Lee's in his second year. Um, you know, Mike Wright is not an unknown product. Um, you know, he had a few starts last year. He's a Maxwell Award watch list guy. So people know that that he is talented. Um, that talent played out at the end. I don't know how many other ways you could uh, you could possibly put it. It is the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco in for Chris and Gary. It is ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 14.20 AM. Hey, don't forget, uh, high school football continues this week. And if you're looking for the score for your alma mater or for uh, just a game, you just, uh, you know, you, you want to know the score out and you're just scrolling around Twitter or Instagram, well, check out our uh, social media pages. For the uh, Scoring Live and ESPN Honolulu scoreboard, it is brought to you by BMW of Honolulu and Ron D. Solar Services. And we post it up every Friday and Saturday night after all the games are done. So you have one easy way uh, to find it on your timeline. Who won the games? Or in the uh, case of Moanalua and Kamehameha yesterday, uh, Friday, who didn't win and didn't lose their game? It ended in a tie. It was it was uh, it was bizarre. It was even it was even bizarre to the point, And I don't know if we should play the audio. Just leave it there. But uh, we have it. I know. But to the point they had um, we could hear the audio in the background. They were doing um, Hawaii Pono'i before the game. And they started to go through the second time around in Hawaii. Pono'i. Was it the first time around. Say it, Tan, just say it on the mic. Go ahead. So what what happened was, you know, in Hawaii Ponoi, after you finish the first part, then you repeat the right. second verse. Th- yeah, that's what I meant, yeah. What you can hear in the audience is you hear one half people doing it how you're supposed to do it, and I you then you hear another half repeating from the beginning of the song. That goes on muddled for about a couple seconds. Mm-hmm. Then you hear the announcer guy go, that was Hawaii Ponawi. Let's play some football. <laughs> As the entire, entire stadium erupts in laughter. Yeah. Mark and Hunter didn't know what to say. I think Hunter was like, you know, I feel like I shouldn't be the one to say that they sang it wrong. No, none of us should. <laughs> none of us should. Um, but that, I think, kind of led to being a, you know, it ended in a tie um, from start to finish, I guess. We kind of led ourselves to that point, didn't we? Uh, you can check that out, our uh, high school scoreboard on our uh, ESPN Honolulu digital platforms. Traffic here, it's the Sports Animals ESPN Honolulu. It is the Sports Animals here on ESPN Honolulu. Sports Center uh, coming up in uh, just a couple of minutes. Uh, I would have blitzed through these texts coming up, too. Uh, we've got a lot of them. Let's get through one. Uh, texter from the 277. With losing 50 players hired in January, I don't expect us to win many games. What I do expect is for the team to get better for the resources our teams have. I give a lot of credit to the coaches in Hawaii. Go Bows. 
That's an interesting way of looking at it. Getting better, yeah, obviously you're going to expect better, and uh, and you should expect better. Resources will get better. The the attendance number will rise. We'll see we'll see more things I think available to them. More corporate partnerships I think that are out there. Things like the the the, the Brotherhood grinds thing, uh, you know, continue to get better. So I'm not I, I'm not as uh, worried I guess about some of the other stuff. It really again just kind of comes back down to you know just getting better. And I think that's that's one of the areas I think we all can kind of agree that. Um, Hawaii has something to definitely work off of now, and uh, that's that's building off of uh, off of this performance. Hey, uh, for road games, we're going to be on the road uh, for countdown to kickoff at Big C Diner throughout the year, and for the Michigan game on September 10th, Arnold Martinez and I will be at Big City Diner in YPO. Enjoying Ono Big City Diner meals or poo poo tiny twenty five ounce Modelo Especial draft for seven bucks. Uh, prize giveaways as well. Big thank you to Paradise Beverages, Modelo Especial, Diotani Produce, and Coca-Cola. Surf and Sports Center. This is ESPN Honolulu. get through the M. Dyer Global Scoreboard uh, coming up in just a little bit. Do I need to go through that giant score? Do I need to go through that giant score? Is it any better than what it was in the first inning? Uh, we'll make an editorial decision on the giant score <laughs> coming up in about 10 minutes. That game, by the way, on our sister station, CBS 1500. Uh, you've got the Giants playing. you got the uh, Yankees and the A's going right now. So, uh, a lot of the West Coast games are just getting underway on a Monday night in Major League Baseball. I feel like this show, and at some point we're going to rein it in, but the uh, the text messages have been so good on the Zephyr Insurance hotline or text line, and they've been so zany too that uh, we'll, we'll uh, let these bridge into some of the areas we were going to get to anyway. So let's start with the texter here. Uh, from the 282, I blame all the politicians who never gave UH football a chance. We need a governor like John A. Burns. Count that on the uh, on, on the more uh, zany end. Count that. Texter from the 797. Uh, one tickets from you. I'm a senior citizen. Sat with students. Had a great time even. Even with the loss. Students funny as H-E double hockey sticks. Their presence is crucial. Thank you, Alex. That Gen Z difference. You know what? Um, yeah, as, as, as long as they were funny and not... Uh, uh, not not doing things their parents would not want to see them doing, then, yeah, that atmosphere around the student section, just fine. 
Thank you, Alex, for uh, for letting us know who you were sitting with. That's awesome. Uh, texter from the 342. Hi, Josh. Schlager. Uh, Shager, Hank. It's Shager. I, 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 I'm, like I said, I'm kind of to the point where I'm just going to say it and let it marinate and then uh, hope your autocorrect fixes Schrager and doesn't fix it to Schlager. I'll fix it now on this point uh, going forward. Schrager is totally not an elusive type QB. Pause on text message. Nobody has ever said that Braden Schager is an elusive type QB. The Schlager kid, I don't know. I've never met him. But uh, uh, he must be elusive if I don't, <laughs> if I don't know. But uh, uh, nobody has ever accused Braden Schager of being elusive. And I don't know that that's necessarily what you're basing your starting quarterback on, is being elusive. By the way, Hank said he did Schlager on purpose. Okay, thanks, Hank. Going back on the text. Presuming the UH coaches agree, the offensive scheme is for the QB to stand there and produce. Give credit to Vandy for recognizing Schlager's inability. <laughs> I'm just, it's just for the fun at this point. Uh, Schrager's inability to evade and they began sending the house. And from that point on, we produced little. I don't get it. Um, this is where I think we start to get into the um, reading between the lines. And, you know, call the coach with Timmy Chang on, on Wednesday night is going to be really interesting, I think, for these reasons. But I read between the lines saying that because and and coach Arnold Martinez made a good point when uh, when we talked about this on pregame when when uh, when Braden was announced the starter you know coach Martinez made it a good point because um John Venere even said to us during um during our scene set that Yellen had actually taken a bunch of the first team snaps on Thursday and um and I don't think a starter was named on Thursday it was uh, made official Saturday. It sounded like it got to the players on Friday, uh, and it was Pete Thamel who leaked it uh, on Saturday because great college football insiders leak group of five starting quarterback information in week zero. That's what good college football insiders do. Um, but Coach Martinez made a good point when, when he was with us. He said... Um, if you say you've got two quarterbacks, then you've got none. And he said, if you've got three quarterbacks, then you've got minus one. And uh, and so on and so forth. And we don't know the answer. We don't know how true that is or how real that is after one game and one offseason. And I, and I think it would be kind of premature to, you know, continue that thought but it does make you think that if you're not comfortable with naming a starter, because honestly, I have said before, I'm not a big fan in holding off on a starter, just not naming a starter just because of game plan stuff, um, you know, trying to throw an opponent off guard. I think it's a waste of time. 
uh, I, I don't know if you saw earlier today, but there is actually a coach. No, it's uh, Texas. Texas's coach says he is not releasing a depth chart prior to their game against Alabama. This is what a Texas official said. Steve Sarkeesian will not provide a depth chart before the season opener this week. In addition, Sarkeesian is not expected to provide a depth chart at all this season. Clearly, things could change, but that's Sarkeesian's plan right now. Okay. Does Sark really think that when the Longhorns play Alabama and they don't provide a depth chart and they don't name a starting quarterback, any any of that, does he think that by doing that, his team still won't lose by 25 to the Crimson Tide? Or does he think that that's going to make them lose by less? Because you ain't going 12-0 and or 13-0 and when you're not releasing a depth chart. I know Jim Harbaugh's done it before and ticked some people off, but hey, tell me how many national championships Jim Harbaugh has won in Michigan. Doing stunts like not releasing a depth chart before the game, please. It's it's one of the stupidest stunts I think there is, and thank God we're not doing it. But that's my point. Um, why say I feel like it is just it, it, it's a waste of time. By the way, good luck to Utah State against Alabama this weekend. Good luck. What's the uh, what's the over under on that? Uh, not over under. What's the line? Alabama is a 41 and a half point favorite against Utah State coming up this weekend. Thoughts and prayers to the 0.7% of the ESPN football power index that says Utah State can win. Many, many thoughts and prayers to those. But thanks, Hank, for the text. And and uh <laughs> yeah, uh, that was that was fun. Thanks for allowing me to have fun with your text. Uh, he also says future opponents will view film and do the same, send the house. But where, where I was going, actually, I, let me let me finish the point on on reading between the lines. So the reading between the, the lines part on the A sign on quarterbacks lends to the idea that, okay, we saw a couple of quarterbacks. None of them super impressed. Um, so, you know, when you start hearing, and, and I think the guys talked about on the broadcast, you start having the conversation about quarterback controversy. Usually quarterback controversies don't come because you have two great quarterbacks. They usually happen because you have quarterbacks who are you know, doing some things right and some things not, and who's going to take the edge during the week to lead their team. But the second one, and I guess we have to read between the lines on this one, I don't know. It's, it's one week, and we'll find out. The second one is the whole thing about not having an identity on offense. Now, again, one week. One week doesn't tell us everything for a season. One week doesn't tell us anything about an offensive coordinator, doesn't tell us anything about a head coach, doesn't tell us anything about personnel. It's one week. But I think there are fits and spurts in that game on Saturday where you would take those words, the words being, we don't have an identity, and I read Hank's texts, and I probably would read other texts, and I saw a tweet a little while ago um, from, from Devin, and you'd say, well, if I didn't know any better, I would have heard those words and thought that it's not that we don't 
you know, it's not that we don't want to have an identity. It's just that we don't know it. And those are two stark differences. Not having an identity is one thing because it means you can be very versatile and do a lot of different things. Not having uh, not having an identity is very, very different because it does usually mean that you're trying to figure it out. And I'm reminded again, how many new players? New staff? Um, not all that simple. So um, put that in the perspective for those that are um, – that are thinking along those lines uh, when, when, when we try to read between the lines and, and, and yeah, that's what we try to do. try to understand. Um, that's kind of what we get left with. We're learning about this team still. Uh, and we're going to spend a lot of time learning about this team because that's all really we can do here. I think in, in the first month of this season before Hawaii gets into, uh, into conference play. Devin's um, tweet, by the way, I thought we would try and stretch the field deep, but it seems like we only threw it short. Um, we were we were having this conversation briefly during the break, Tanner, I believe it was, where, you know, it, it again, I, I think we can have a lot of assumption on this. It doesn't necessarily mean that they didn't want to throw it deep. It could very well mean that they couldn't set it up or Vanderbilt just didn't give them the deep ball. Um, you know, there were a couple of throws that I think could have been better to a degree, but, um, but other than that, I, I don't know that I could say, oh, they, they didn't try to stretch the field deep or the quarterback didn't see the read that he felt comfortable enough in throwing it down the field. I don't know the answer to it. And I'm not, um, I'm not going to assume because I, I, I think that would be dangerous again, um, one game in. Our M. Dyer Global scoreboard is brought to you by M. Dyer Global, moving Hawaii into the future. Do I read the giant score? Do I read the giant score? Should I do it? Is it bad? Is it not bad? Uh, down 3 nothing. bottom two, after giving up three runs in the first inning. There you go. And it's all downhill from here. Uh, <laughs> elsewhere in uh, Major League Baseball today, in 10, Dodgers over the Marlins 3-2. Uh, Yankees Angels tied at one top of the fourth inning. Pirates Brewers 5-3 Pittsburgh, bottom of the seventh. Uh, Minnesota 4, Boston 2, top of the eighth. And they're in the 11th in Toronto. Blue Jays and the Cubs are tied at four. More of your texts and uh, all of that coming up in just a little bit uh, via the uh, Zephyr Insurance text line. This is the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Right now, a look at traffic. Got another Sports Center update coming up in uh, about 11 minutes. I'm Josh Pacheco. You're listening to the Sports Animals here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Uh, by the way, hi to Lori Santi, who is on uh, with uh, Kanoa today on Let's Talk Sports with Kanoa Leahy uh, here on ESPN Honolulu. I think Lori got everything out today, including everything you needed to know about pickleball. Uh, it was part of the conversation it was a good show. It was fun. 
And then she realized she forgot to say something. She said, put names on our jerseys. That's from Lori. I, I that was because um, we didn't know. I, I got alert on that during pregame, and I don't. We didn't mention it during countdown to kickoff, but um, we had gotten an alert on that saying that there were no names, and there was the top of print down the side of the jerseys. But I, I had never really thought of it. And then as I was watching the game, I was thinking, yeah, um, kind of missing the names, and that was early. As, as the game was continuing on and I'm, and I'm watching. And then as the game continued and eventually kind of got out of hand, I also thought, um, maybe it's good we didn't have the names on the back of the jerseys. Uh, I don't know that anybody wanted to have that identification marker on their, uh, on, on their uniform when playing that game. Everybody has such a... Um, such a different feeling about names on back of jerseys. Like for me, I don't really care, but I know for a lot of people, it's the idea of not playing for the name on the back of your jersey. It's playing for the name on the front. You know, some take that really to heart by making sure there is no name on the back of the jersey. Some, you know, it's it is what it is. That's right, Norm, huh? Um, but you know, like nowadays in the age of NIL. Does it and does it matter? It, it's like when you have a, a superstition, like, and I, and I think there are some head coaches might, who might be that way in in other sports. But for those that don't like to allow someone to wear the number one, like you can't wear the number one, you're not number one. Nobody should wear the number one. It's like stuff like that, like, um. I don't know. Does it matter really? Like what what's what's the point? I don't I don't get the point of it. So that's um you know, it doesn't bother me either way, but I do think it's one of those things that like if if the name's on there, what's the big deal? Does the name on the back affect whether they're playing for what's in the front? I don't think so personally, but Tanner Tanner, yes. I will say, I think it was last year where Deion Sanders, mm-hmm. of course, as we all know, Coach Coach Prime. Coach, time. Coach Deion. Don't call coach, him just Deion. That it's was coach. my bad. That was my bad. I'm so sorry. Come coach, on now. Please don't come for me. I swear. That was just a mistake. <laughs> but Coach Prime time, Coach Prime, paid a lot of money for not only his team, but for all the teams in his conference to get nameplates for all the players. Mm -hmm. And he did that because he wanted to make sure that the families watching them knew that it was something, it was just all about family Mm -hmm. and making sure that, you know, that they can represent not only the team, but also, you know, their families and everything that they've grown up from. So I think there is a good, I think, when you look at both sides, the no nameplate and the nameplate side, I think good the, arguments yes. can be made for both. Absolutely. And, you know, there's some out like Notre Dame. They've ne- I don't think they wear nameplates. There's no. a lot of big time schools that just don't do it because, hey, that's just tradition. Right. And I think when you go from a school to school thing, it's not that much of an issue until someone brings it up as an issue. Well, I think it only becomes one in places where. Some years you do, some years you don't. 
and it really doesn't. It's really not necessary. Like it, it's not tradition here. Um, you know, it, it, it one coach might want it, another coach might not, and when it does change around, then yeah, it it, it does become something. And frankly, it does become a little more of something when when you lose a game because. Uh, you know, you need something to talk about sometimes, and that's where it is. That's why people bring it up. Um, by the way, Alex, who was sitting in the student section because he won tickets with us and it allowed him with the students. Alex said, by the way, students were very knowledgeable. They saw plays develop even as they were still on the line. Wait, hold up. The students in the student section, whether they were inebriated or not inebriated, I don't know. They were able to see plays develop while they were still on the line? Wow. I don't know if it's that a should top be a top university, Josh. <laughs> see, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. If they knew what was happening before the play developed. That's uh that's a pretty startling thing there. Leroy texts in the coaching staff will be fine. It might take until next year, but I think they will be good. I think defense will be much better next year. If O-line can get it together, I think the offense will improve dramatically. Is it unfair to say that maybe the best part of Hawaii, uh, the best unit that Hawaii had was the offensive line over the weekend? Um, I don't feel like the offensive line wasn't was was necessarily a problem. I felt like the offensive line... Um, you know, they, they didn't put – outside of a couple of screenplays, I thought, in which they the offensive line played a part in in blowing it up. Outside of that, I thought the offensive line played a, a very nice job um, in, in at least allowing that part to stay fairly clean. Good text from Leroy there. Uh, texter from the 265. Pinag not getting that pick six. Then the fumble by Diedrich was a 14-point swing in the first quarter. Big momentum shift. They will be okay. Yeah, um, that ball was smack dab in Panay's hands. The thing is, uh, we were reminded why he's on the defensive side of the ball. Um, that was thrown really, really hard, and uh, he could just, he just could not handle it. And and Diedrich, yeah, there were a couple of plays that were really just, you know, tough luck plays. And, um, and, and, and that, and he had a couple uh, that led to scores. Very unfortunate. Uh, I, I think on Hawaii's end that that would would ultimately happen, but uh, that was the first quarter. I don't know that that would have told us anything or or changed momentum or any of that conversation about the second half. I don't I don't think any of that would have uh, uh, would have changed. We'll check on uh, Sports Center coming up in just a little bit. By the way, uh, news out of uh, was it San Francisco? I think is where they are. There's an issue with stadium lights in the Padres Giants game. And so that game is now in a delay. Um, it was 3 nothing Padres early in that game, uh, and they will now have to have to sit that one out for a little while uh, while the, uh, the light issue gets resolved. Oh, I know that feeling. <laughs> I know what that's like. Sports Internet. So, uh, update, there's a uh, an issue with the lights 
in the uh, the Giants and Padres game that is uh, that that's uh, now in a delay in San Francisco at uh, at Oracle Park. It is th- uh, three nothing San Diego leading the Giants. They've gone to a delay. Uh, don't know what the situation is on uh, on the lights currently. But uh, that game, when it does resume, will be on our sister station, CBS 1500. I know they're going to have an update at about uh, 510, I believe, is when that will be. So uh, we'll, we'll pay attention to that. I do remember I had a uh, – I don't know what you're looking for in there, but – oh, I see. I, I did have a, a, a story about lights, and it was kind of, it was kind of freaky – I remember doing a UH Hilo game many years ago at at Wong Stadium, and I forget who they played, but there was a situation where it must have been like around seven or eight at night, whatever happened. Lights were on, and then it it almost was like a magic trick. Pitcher comes down, throws a pitch to the plate, and as the pitch gets to the plate. The field goes completely black. There were all the lights were off, um, except for in the concourse area. We're at Wong Stadium, and and our booth we had power, we had lights, but but all the lights on the field gone. And I remember thinking at the time, what happened to the catcher? Like he's trying to catch what I'm assuming was probably an 88 to 89 mile an hour fastball that's coming down toward the plate. And I don't see whether he's caught it or not because it goes completely black and I don't hear anything on the field. Like anybody, you know, crying out in pain or something hit him in the face or do you not catch it? I, I don't hear anything, but it goes black. And I think the story from that game, I don't were they playing Grand Canyon? They might have been. Uh back when Grand Canyon was in Division Two and um competing in the Pac West Conference. I think the story of that was someone forgot to turn off the timer on the lights. You know, it's like a it's a government facility, it was a county facility. And so the lights just, you know, when the timer went off. Lights just turned off, and nobody extended it. Nobody thought of checking on it until right when a pitch came down to the plate, and whatever happened, I don't even know if the umpire called a ball or a strike. Uh, it just went absolutely pitch black when that happened, and uh, it is gone apparently dark in San Francisco. Uh, we'll we'll pay attention to that light situation with uh, uh, with that game. We'll keep you posted. On, uh, on anything we hear on that. By the way, breaking news from Adrian Wojnarowski, who's reporting R.J. Barrett of the New York Knicks is finalizing a four-year rookie extension that could be worth up to $120 million. That's what his agent says. Uh, a lot of people thinking that maybe this will play a part or maybe help or hurt, I should say, uh, some of the, the, the rumors that have been fueled in the NBA's offseason that maybe, just maybe, um, the Knicks might try to go after Donovan Mitchell in a trade. Instead, maybe the idea that uh, they don't go that way at all. And uh, R.J. Barrett's a little bit more of a centerpiece, and uh, they they go away from a potential Donovan Mitchell trade. The extension will make Barrett the youngest $100 million player in Knicks history at the age of 22. Um, and it's, as Woj puts it here, 
ends weeks of New York-Utah trade talks, and Mitchell enforces teams to start discussions over with significantly different deal parameters because of the poison pill provision. Again, uh, Woj's words on uh, on that situation. Uh, our Zephyr Insurance text line is at 808-296-1420. A lot of you have uh, gotten in touch with us on that. Let's uh, let's let's continue on the Zephyr Insurance text line. This is from Jerry. UH coaches are just fine. Nick Saban could coach this team and end up with a losing record. Yeah, I, I think Jerry's going back to something that I said. Um, I was reacting to a caller. This was um, last hour. A caller who was talking about, well, everybody bring up June Jones and you know Davey Reddy, you know, and I and I said, how how would you know? How would you know that the team would fare any better if there was – it doesn't have to be June Jones's name. It's just easy because a lot of people uh, – a lot of people are just going to throw that out. But um, how how would you know that that team would be better prepared or it you know wouldn't have been as bad as it would have been? I, I, don't, I don't know the answer to that. Again – you know, coaches will will shoulder a lot of the blame because they are responsible at the end of the day. But coaches didn't miss tackles, and uh, you know, coaches didn't forget to cover a corner uh, or cover a receiver near a goal line situation. I think there were things that you certainly. Uh, I think there's certainly some things that you could think about that you might want to do over. For example, and and uh, Coach and I were, were talking about this during uh, one of the commercial breaks at the game. For example, that play in which you had you know, broken coverage and you had a receiver wide open, that's a play where if you have a timeout and you realize that your defensive assignments are completely blown, you've left a receiver open near the end zone, um, use your timeout. Run down toward the nearest official and call the timeout. Get that done. Save your team potentially maybe seven points. If not, you're saving them four if you end up with a defensive stand that gives up a field goal. Um, it's little things like that that, you know, again, coaches are young. Um, they will learn. They will be better. And sometimes in a split second, you're thinking you're you're trying to coach up other things. Sometimes you don't even have a chance to react to that. Um, and that's and that's not simple. But it, it again, it really would not have mattered who coached this team. Vanderbilt would likely have uh, been better. It is an SEC team at the end of the day. Texter from the three eight two with a couple of concerns, but the texter says looking forward to a challenging. And fun season for the Warriors. Still supporting our Warriors. But the concerns from the texter from the 382. Starting with this. Why did they go away from what they were doing in the first drive? Short passes mixed with runs. Also, I like the many different formations that they used. And if Vandy came up to play the short passes, then spread them out and thrown mid-range passes. Two. Defense and tackling. 
this has been a problem over the years and still a problem is evident by this game. What is going on? I see better hitting and tackling at the high school level. Thank you for the text. Um, defense and tackling, I'll, I'll, um, I'll, I'll start with two because I think one's probably a little more complicated, but I'll, I'll start with two. Defense and tackling. That to me is two things. It is one, um, Vanderbilt made the better adjustments over the course of that game because I will I, I will constantly go back to um, what I saw in the first quarter and maybe portions of the second quarter as well where it, it felt like Hawaii's defense was up to the task and seemingly was prepared for Vanderbilt in that first quarter and change, at least those first few drives. I thought... Um, I, I thought Hawaii's defense was fine, but let's give the credit where where credit is due. Credit has to be given to Vanderbilt, the team that made the adjustments on what to do offensively and how to attack that uh, that Hawaii defense was indeed Bandy. They were the better team in adjusting on the fly to uh, what it had to do offensively to make Mike Wright uh, be. The, the kind of quarterback that, that Mike Wright can be. And so, you know, credit for that, I, I think, has to be given. And then I think when it comes to tackling, it was worse later, and I think a lot of that, you know, for, for a couple of reasons. A, um, morale, I think, was was clearly down, and B, it was, uh, uh, it, it was a situation where, they just could not get out of their own way. Um, and, I, and I think the wind was out of the sails, and I think they kind of played like the wind was out of their sails uh, in the second half of that of that game as things just started to, to fall apart. So um, that's kind of how I see the defense and tackling. It, it takes... It, it, it takes a, a few things for it to look as it did in the second half and and clearly in the second half it was not good and it was not acceptable by any stretch um but the offense you know i i i do think that yeah you're going to see different formations as as you saw i think this is the identity part that we talked about last hour um but why they went away from what they were doing in the first drive i think again i i think they wanted to figure out what they felt like would work best Again, uh, an offense with no identity, purposefully or not, depending on how you frame it, is um, usually an offense that it's going to take a couple of games, in-game especially, to figure out said identity. And I think that's probably where you saw some of that in that, you know, your first few plays as well. I mean, I don't know how much of what was beyond the first drive was scripted and what wasn't. So I, I think that's a that's a question mark that I I don't think I could answer, but um, you know I I think they're kind of feeling themselves out offensively. That is going to be one of the storylines of this year: is how long does this offense kind of figure out? Because eventually, right? Eventually, you're going to have to have an identity. You can't go 13 games and continue the narrative of we don't have an identity. We are what we are. 
no successful program in America goes by the we don't have an identity thing. Nobody does. You know what Nick Saban's offense is. And even that has evolved from what was a, for many years, a power running type of offense because they weren't recruiting great quarterbacks to now an offense that is more open, is more evolved uh, to what current college football is. Successful programs aren't hiding their identities. Successful programs know what they are, and they, they're not worried about what you see on film. They get better because of uh, – they get better even though you see them on film every week. They adjust and adapt. Uh, that's going to be a storyline I think we, we certainly pay attention to. Texture for the 275. I thought the O-line would be our greatest strength, that they were underachieving. Vanderbilt's D-line was blowing up the middle of our line, giving QBs very little time to make any reads. If that's a problem, they should have a moving or rolling pocket. All of our QBs can throw on the run or scramble on broken plays. I don't think you, uh, I don't think you really want a game plan that way, though. I, I, I don't think you want to be in that position where... Uh, you know, you're 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 expecting your offensive line to struggle. I don't. I think the offensive line will be better. Again, let's remember, um, you're going up against SEC caliber talent on the opposite side of the ball, and Hawaii's offensive line does have experience. It is a mature offensive line. I do believe that Hawaii offensive line will be better. I don't think they were bad necessarily. Uh, I, I don't think they were bad, and I and I think they will be better as you get into conference play and you play competition that's a little closer to what Hawaii is going to compete with. I think it will be uh, something, uh, something a little different to see. Uh, one more here. Texter from the two two one. A bottom feeder in the SEC is conference champion in the Mountain West, and I mean. I actually, well, I don't know if I'd say conference champion in the Mountain West. I, I think I said at least middle of the pack in the Mountain West. Maybe we give a little more credit. I mean, do I think Boise State beats Vanderbilt? Uh, not sure. Not sure. San Diego State? Uh, maybe. But I don't know that I'd say, you know, specifically conference, uh, conference champion, but Closer than the uh, closer than the bottom, that's for sure. And one more. I said one more earlier. Let's do one more. Why not? Text it for the three four two. Oh, and eighteen. Hmm. Sorry, but you can't go zero and eighteen in college football. That would be zero and thirteen. I think you might have meant. Or unless your uh, unless your phone auto corrects thirteen to eighteen, makes no sense. Uh, USC is different from Vandy at that time. That's obvious. We're talking about different eras, but we're not taught. We're see the thing. The thing is, Tanner's giving me a look. It's not about. It's not about the the uh, comparison of the actual team. I could I could care less about the comparison of the team. It's not the team that I care about. It's the situation in which these teams were in. Like, the scores were what they were. I think those who are trying to compare, those who are trying to make the comparisons of Hawaii and um, USC, 
versus Hawaii and Vandy are the ones trying to make the excuses um, as to why we need to care. Look, I don't – what happened to Hawaii? I don't care about what happened in the past. That doesn't shape me one way or another. It's more for those who are saying, oh, but it happened to June. But the fact that we're at that point where we're, again, back to the, oh, but it happened to June, so <sighs> we need to move past that. That's, that's my point, is we need to get past that point. Uh, our text line is uh, 808-296-1420. That is our Zephyr Insurance text line. Uh, we'll check on traffic right here. We'll come back. More of your texts, uh, more of our conversation uh, on Hawaii football. We have been all Hawaii football today uh, for the three hours and ch- uh, almost three hours. It hasn't been three hours and change. We're not playing overtime today. Uh, this is the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco. You're listening to ESPN Honolulu. Center update is about nine minutes away. We've been all UH football all the time on this program today. Mike, I am expecting, is going to continue that. Mike, how are you? Hey, how you doing, Josh? Good. Yeah, that was painful. And the tough part about it is you know this is a long slog. I mean, this is rock bottom. I mean, I it's at least it's not bought off in rock bottom, but it's pretty much rock bottom. And we... We really don't know about this coaching staff. We'll find out a lot, you know, by the end of the year. But And then the Vanderbilt thing is, who knows how good they are? Usually they're lousy. I mean, usually they are the dregs of the SEC, not even close. I, I, I can't remember the last time they were over 500 in that conference. Now, I don't know if it was ever in my lifetime. So, you know, UH at one time, and, and all of us old-timers can remember, would handle Vanderbilt. They would crush this Western Kentucky that's coming up. You know, they can handle some of the middle, middling uh, Big Ten teams. You know, so we might be the bottom of college football. So that's the toughest thing to go. And then I just, this NIL is not going to make it any better. I mean, I just listened to Ohio State's podcast. They have a collective. Every person that makes that team, including walk ons, gets 100 grand. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's that. That is a lot. Um, thanks for the call, by the way, Mike. I appreciate you listening in. Um, there, there are a few things in there that were that were said that I look. Rock bottom is a bit much. It's a bit dramatic, but it's that. If that's the case, it is not because. Of this coaching staff, it's because of the previous one and what was left. But, I don't know, rock bottom after one game is kind of a stretch. And, and look, um, let's stop the comparisons of, of this team. And by the way, beyond 2008, let's stop the comparisons of this team competing against the Big Ten middles and uh, the Vandys of the world. I mean, come on. That's not what we're judging ourselves against. Our job is to get to a bowl game. The job is to win a conference championship. The idea here is not judging 
based on whether you're beating Vandy or middling Big Ten teams. Because I don't think Hawaii's been that kind of a team for a long time. So why are we even worried about that? Why why is that our, not a baseline comparison, but why is that any um, comparison? Tony, I've got about uh, 60 seconds here. Go ahead. Oh, I got 60 seconds again, just like Friday. Okay. <laughs> Your timing and calling is perfect. Okay, great. Okay, let me give you an opinion what I saw. Foot, long-time football watcher. I noticed in the pre uh, in camp, Timmy had two scrimmages. One scrimmage had 20 plays, and I think the other one had 30 plays. Guess what? In Division One FBS football, that doesn't. That's not enough. You. You, you need at least two 80-play scrimmages to, to get ready for your first game in college football. I, and you say, well, how does that affect what happens Saturday? Let me tell you something. They played good for one hour. After one hour, the whole team caved in. Okay? It says, okay, scrimmage is over. That's all we've played so far. Okay? Practice is practice and scrimmage is scrimmage. You just didn't scrimmage enough. But that's Second your preparation. Half, with, hey, let me tell you. They came, out, they came out from the locker room second half with their heads down. They sat there for 10 minutes in the locker room, and their muscles cramped up, and they were saying, oh, my God, we got to play some more? And that's how they played the second half. Offensively and defensively, they were out of it completely. They have to play four quarters. They got to play 60 minutes, and they weren't prepared to play that long. Not enough scrimmaging, not enough hitting. You can see that. One, one last comment, I'll let you go. Oh, man, 15 we seconds. Got, yeah, we got two quarterbacks. That's what we got. And Timmy's got to make up his mind. Either we're going to go in the season rotating them, or he's going to have the one is not that much better than the other. The only thing with Sager, he's not mobile. He, he's yeah. a stand-in-pocket quarterback. Yellen is more mobile. Well, that's I think that's going to be the thing. And, 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 Tony, that was the 15 seconds there. Thank you for, for dialing in. That was actually more like 2025. Um, but we know that. Uh, I, I think it. what fits what you can do. And, honestly, I don't know that we know the answer to that just yet. Uh, there's a lot of work to be done to figure that out. Traffic Sports Center coming up. It's ESPN Honolulu. Final thought coming up in a moment. It is the Sports Animals. Uh, I'm Josh Pacheco, included in our final thoughts today. Uh, be careful of what you write on a scoreboard at a stadium. You might be embarrassed by it. Tanner, you don't know where I'm going with this, do you? Where do you think I'm going with this? Do you, Where do you think I'm going? Name me the city. Which city do you think I'm going to? You don't know. Okay, you have no idea. And I'm not going to tell you where because I'm not. I'm not going to. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to let you search it on Twitter uh, before we get there. Be careful what gets put up on the big board. Although on that note, every stadium in America, college or pro, should have a feature that invites people to text in things that they want said on the video board. Because the unintentional comedy 
that can come from things that are put on the big board, I think would be uh, would 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 be really fun. Texters from the Zephyr Insurance text line are just making my job just so easy today. Except this texter from the two seven five. Look, you basically wrote me about a, a couple of pages. Uh, <laughs> this is a text line, not a novel line. I will. Uh, I'll. I'll try to paraphrase this as best as possible. Basically saying, look, SEC folks make more money than Hawaii does, and everybody else does. Um, and so to go in farther, this texture says, visualize. If UH had a budget thirty plus million dollars the last five years, I believe the outcome this last Saturday would have been vastly different. Because now it's the budget's fault. It's sad that Hawaii has its share of millionaires and billionaires, but none are willing to bequeath UH even 8 to $10 million a year of their own fortunes. I think we'd easily compete in the top 25. Oh, stop. No, 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 no. But unfortunately, it's only a pipe dream. If I was Bill Gates, UH would have its benefactor. First off, just because you get millions and billions of dollars doesn't make you a top 25 team. Ask Vandy. My goodness. Ask Texas. <laughs> Ask Texas. <laughs> Good point. Ask Kansas. And I mean football, not basketball. Ask Kansas. Gosh. Ask Cal. Ask USC. We could go on. We could go on and on and on about it. Just because you get eight eight figures doesn't make you an automatic top twenty five program. Gosh. Well, let me let me just go back to what I said many many months ago. I think this was on the subject of someone saying, "Well, Larry Ellison could give us money, or Mark Zuckerberg could give us money," because you know um, we know they have it. I don't want their money. And before you take what I just said the wrong way, let me make sure I phrase it correctly. Look, if they don't give a bleep about anything involving the University of Hawaii, whether it's academics, whether it's athletics, I don't want their charity money. All right? If someone's, if, I mean, personally, I would like it, sure. Stop, though. Like, the thing about, Committing to higher education and committing to opportunities for student-athletes is I don't want someone's money just because they have it and they do it for a tax write-off. No, I want someone's money because they actually care. If not, it's just empty money. And that doesn't make your program any better. It just means you're getting empty money, and what are you going to do with it? Sure, you'll find stuff to do with it, but is your program becoming a top 25 program because Mark Zuckerberg's giving you $8 million only because he needs to write it off for tax purposes? No, it's not. I want people, and honestly, if I were David Matlin, I would be saying this like some politicians say, some politicians have tried this for their campaigns where they're like, I don't want donations more than $100. Now, V. <laughs> let's okay. Let's be honest, though. The results on that are mixed. They're they're not foolproof successful. Those are some mixed results there. But my point is, I don't want it to just be like, hey, 
give us money just because you have it. No, give us money because you care about our mission. Give us money or partner with us to donate money to our program because you want to see the student-athlete succeed. Partner with us to give us a charitable donation because you want to see our university thrive to continue to be one of the best in the nation. Partner with us and give us some of this money because you believe in what the University of Hawaii and its student-athletes can do that can enrich this community, can make the community better. Those are the kind of conversations that you want to have. Not, oh, here's a check, and who are you again? And thank you, but, oh, wait, where did you go? You just gave a check and ran? No, that's dirty. You know what? That's that's not the kind of stuff you want. What you want are the things like the sisterhood grinds, the brotherhood grinds. That's the stuff you want. It may not be $10 million of Larry Ellison's money, but you know what? It is food. It is going to the right place. It's helping the student-athletes get fed and get taken care of. You know, that is more important than $10 million to go, I don't know, figure it out. And actually, that's one of the things that I actually kind of like is in a lot of these partnerships, what you kind of have to do is you you have to make these um, donations kind of specific when you when you work with like the UH Foundation. So a lot of times there are specific accounts. So you know you might be donating money and it's going directly to the football team, or you might be donating money and it might be going to a certain scholarship fund, or you might be donating money and it could go toward you name it. There are usually specific areas where if you're donating, it goes through the foundation. It has to go through kind of um, you know something specific, and and that's good. But that also shows it, it means to the, the person who's donating that money, they know exactly what they're donating it to, and they know they're not throwing it away um, and that their money is not being wasted. I, I, I get so annoyed when I hear people just say, oh, but if just the rich people could give us their rich money. And Does that make you feel better? Because you're, you're not touching that money. Guess what? The student-athletes aren't touching that money. They're not. It's just it's just going to a university. And is, it, is, is Mark Zuckerberg giving $8 million of his money going to help you in recruiting? Probably not. Is Mark Zuckerberg giving $8 million of his own money to the University of Hawaii program going to make a difference in Hawaii beating Vanderbilt nine times out of ten if they played? Probably not. (sighs) Thank you for the text, though. I needed to get that out of my system. Texter from the 630 says, Josh, I thought Hawaii would win. We're back to this. Thank you, Brad. I figured Coach Chang and staff was going to take some chances, fake punts, long field goals, maybe a reverse. They tried to play Vandy straight up. Of course they lost. Aloha, Brad. 
Brad, I think you mis- you made a mistake thinking that uh, Timmy Chang was Nick Rolovich uh, on the sideline. That That's not the case. And no, I would not have... <laughs> I'm thankful that they did not go in there trying to run fake punts and long field goals and a reverse and, and throwing out all of the back pages of the playbook on game one so that everybody else can see a little bit later on in the year all of the things in week zero that you might do to conference opponents a little bit later on, what that trickeration might look like. So later on against San Jose State, Brent Brennan sees something and says, oh, you know what? This might be that reverse play. You might want to pay attention to that. And all of a sudden, boom, they smash it up. It's a five-yard loss. I know it's Vandy. I know it's a what-do-you-have-to-lose kind of thing. But also, it's a don't-put-all-your-cards-out-on-the-table kind of thing, too. I see where you're coming from, Brad. One more. I expected Hawaii to win. And I watched all the way. I'm in pain, says the texter from the 223. For those that don't know, by the way, um... This was a topic from the first hour where I said, hey, we're, you know, I I was wrong and I called out my own freezing cold takes on the nine and a half point spread and thinking the game would be somewhere in the 20s, kind of a closer kind of game. I, I, I can easily call myself out on that. But I said, I want to know where all those people were who were saying, oh, Hawaii's going to win. Hawaii's going to win this game. Because I asked the question last week, well, is it, uh, um, you know, is it because of Vandy, or did you really believe Hawaii was going to win? Like, what was it going to be? And, and, and what did you get? Crickets. Crickets for the most part. For the most part. Uh, this is from Scott. Curious, Josh. If I was a huge sponsor, what would the perks be? Free season tickets? Free parking? I don't know. Go talk to uh, the University of Hawaii Athletic Department about that, because I would not know what it uh, what the perks are of being a uh, a donor. But probably... Uh, there's probably some sort of that in there and maybe, maybe more. I don't know. I think that's also, uh, also online as well. Nakoa might know. Check out the, uh, the Nakoa football club. They, they might have some information on that. Uh, time for our, uh, actually, no, not time for our M Dyer global scoreboard. Uh, although I, I can tell you they are back to playing baseball in uh, San Francisco. Padres giants. They had a, uh, a delay because the lights went out. And uh, they've the light back the light banks are working again, and uh, they are back to playing baseball. Hopefully, that was just the thing that was needed to wake up the Giants' offense because they were down three nothing at that point. And man, I am really hoping that that did something. Did it? We'll find out. Uh, but that game's on our sister station, CBS 1500. Uh, time to uh, check on traffic. Traffic is brought to you by Revive Men's Health, your local low-T experts. Final thought and more next. This is ESPN Honolulu. Do I really need to talk over this? Can I, can I let the uh, can I let the first bars run? Hot take here, because I know everybody was tuning in for a Doobie Brothers hot take. 
best instrumental in- intro from the dubs. That's and, and and then you let it go. Come on. Right as I'm giving the Doobie Brothers hot take, you're like, oh, okay, let's fade it. You give the hot take with the music. That's what we do. And this part's also very good. But you got to pay attention to the, uh, the, the, the keyboard part. You got to pay attention to that part. That part's also very good in this song. Very, very underrated. Hot take done. It's the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco. This is ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. See, that, that's me um, That's me channeling my, uh, my, my oldies radio DJ side. For all the songs that came out before I was born, yet still a show that I do. Uh, texter from the 306, China Grove. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, try, I'll I'll give you China Grove, but uh, not better than what a fool believes. Top three, sure. Top three, but uh, but not better than what a fool believes. But we're not going to end the show on uh, on Doobie Brothers hot takes. No, Long Train Running's not in the top three. No, 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 no. What you know? You know what we we need to do. As long as I'm uh, I'm filling in on this show for the time being, we need to get back to something that I used to do um, way back when, or I tried to. And actually, it's it's not uh, it, it's it's not original, frankly. It's a it's an SVP thing. When Scott Van Pelt uh, hosted his show, remember remember that um, he would do themed Fridays. On, uh, on on SVP. So some days he, it would be a, a boy band Friday. Some days it would be a a, a 90s show, a 90s music Friday. Some days it would be a, a, an EDM Friday. Like he had all of that, right? Um, you know, I wouldn't mind. I don't know. Can we get? Can we do this on Friday? Do we think we can pull it off? A Doobie Brothers Friday. Do we think? Do we need to take this to the audience to the text line? Do we think we can do a three hours, all Doobie Brothers hits as rejoins on Friday? Well, take maybe we need to take it to the Twitter, like they're taking it to the streets. You didn't know I was going there because that was my number one on the Doobie Brothers list. You had you had no idea I was going there. Take it to the Twitter if we uh, get a few likes on that. Yeah, we'll make we'll make Friday. We'll make this Friday. Doobie Brothers Friday. Because you know what we're doing? We're hitting the demo. That's what we're doing. Final thought uh, coming up. <laughs> Doobie Brothers. <laughs> uh, we're hitting the Brotherhood with the Doobie Brothers. Oh, man. Oh, man. That's, uh, yeah. We should just end the show eight minutes early and just say we hit it on that note um, because this is a long train running before uh, before we get you to the brotherhood, pride, tradition, and excellence here on ESPN Honolulu. A um, couple of final thoughts before we go. First off, oh, by the way, Hank says he's in. Hank says he's in on Doobie Brada Friday. 
pencil it. First off, be careful of what you write at a, uh, a, a nearby major arena when they have those uh, those those promotions during timeouts. Hey, uh, you know, text in a message you'd like to see on the video board. You know, you never know if A, it might make the board, and B, if you really actually want people to see what it is that you're putting, potentially, on the video board. Folks, we take you to American Family Field in Milwaukee today. Uh, the Brewers had their game. And, you know, there's uh, there, there's the normal fare of, of messages. Happy birthday, Cody, from your B-Day buddy, Mel. And then after that, happy birthday, Mel, from your B-Day buddy, Cody. Which, by the way, pathetic. Just say it to each other. There was good luck on the big race, Scott. <laughs> hey, you know, the, 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 the anniversary message there for Mike and Ronley. Happy anniversary. But poor Mark. Poor Mark just got thrown out in the cold. Someone asked for this to be put up on the big board at American Family Field. And Mark, I can't stop laughing now, and I don't know why. And Mark, oh, poor Mark. I hope you caught an Uber on the way back. It says, Mark, your friendship means the world to me. Let's not wreck it. Uh, uh, you know, there can only be one saving grace. If Mark was using the bathroom when that thing came up on the screen. And would never know it existed. But you know why we know it existed? It's on Twitter. So Mark probably found out. The only other saving grace of this is that it doesn't say who it came from. Which I don't know if was a good thing or a bad thing. But man, poor, poor Mark. Um, this is what, for those that, uh, for those that don't know the phrase, because it's probably out of the demo, this is what they call the friend zone. And if only Kenny Loggins thought about doing that instead of danger zone, he would have a hit that would last and, and be understood by generations. But instead, Kenny Loggins decided to do danger zone instead of friend zone and well, um, here we are. But the last final thought today, because, you know, Mark, I can't finish the show on you. The, uh, the last final thought on the day is now the, the move forward. We have spent almost the entire show today on University of Hawaii football. And you know what? I take that as a positive in itself because, let's face it, you know, it's, it would be worse if people left Saturday's game got really apathetic, didn't care, didn't text, just threw their hands up and said, uh, here we go. But it's not the case. And for, um, you know, for, for all of the disappointment that I think a lot of people have and, and maybe the realization that the expectations don't quite match up for, you know, for whatever reason they had those expectations in the first place. For um, you know, for all of that, I think what this Saturday brings as we we move forward to that now is kind of like a refresh. 
which is all right. We're 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 now going into the real week one. The record counts. The record's still the same. But a chance to now go back in there, realizing all right. Let's look back at last week and let's ask ourselves again, at least from, from, from the fans and maybe the media perspective, what are we? What is this team? And then I think from, from Timmy Chang's perspective, you know, as he said after the game, we got to refresh our mentals. We got we to gotta refresh a lot of things. Well, this is going to be the week that serves as that reminder of, all right, truly, what are we? And uh, I think the next couple of days in practice, after seeing the way the second half ran away, uh, I think will be good reminders to remind exactly who are they. And and, uh, and we'll find out. Hey, uh, Hawaii's first road game is a week from Saturday. It is at Michigan. Arnold Martinez and I will take countdown to kickoff to uh, Big City Diner in Waipio. We got great specials, uh, Modelo Especial included. Big City Diner grinds, prizes, and so much more. Check that out. That is next Saturday uh, at Big City Diner, YPO, Sports Center now.